So that video you saw a little earlier before the song, there's some stories that go along with that. You have Jenna. Jenna was born 100% deaf in both ears. And in her life, what, what happened is she had a hearing device implanted in one of her ears, so she now has partial hearing. But she gets judged because the deaf community doesn't see her as 100% deaf, and the community that can hear 100% still sees her as deaf. So she gets it from both sides. You have Madison, who walked into her first engineering class at college and was asked, what's Barbie doing in this class? Because she was a female with blonde hair sitting in an engineering class. Or you have Libby, who is a teenage mom who got pregnant and is now ignored by teachers and friends who, thought that, who she thought that loved her. To this day, still receiving text messages calling her names. So today we're diving into the question of why do you judge? There's a familiar saying that says don't judge a book by its cover, but that's difficult for us to do. And so today, what we're going to learn today before we walk out of this room is the ability to communicate truth and grace in a setting where the content doesn't get lost in our delivery. We want to walk away with some practical tips today. My goal is that when you walk out of here today, that you know how to communicate well the truth in our lives and that you have this thing in your heart where you're going, man, I want to work hard in not judging other people. If we can do that today in this series, this first week of this series, then that's a win today. But what we're going to do as we start today is we're going to take a minute and we're going to receive the offering. Our ushers can come forward. Uh, we do this every week here at Kensington. And, and just know that if, you're, if this is your first time, uh, this is not a part of the service that you have to participate in. This service, we want this to be a gift to you. But man, Kensington, the church family that we have here, you've given so much. And like stories that you've seen, even like Roma earlier, uh, when you give... Things happen in this building and in our community. So, uh, ushers, you can come on, you can come forward. Uh, if you're new, just know today we have starting point. We'd love for you to go out there and grab a gift and get to know Kensington and a little bit about what we're doing and how we can serve you today. So, uh, the idea today is we're talking about judgment. It's always fun to walk into church and hear the word judgment, right? No preconceived ideas there at all. Uh, so, we all get judged. We've all been judged before. I had an experience about a year ago. Some of you know that I'm a runner. And when I say that, you're judging me. I know it right now. Instantly, you're like, you are crazy. Uh, I love to run. Uh, I was in a race, and I had this time goal in this race. It was really fast for me. I wanted to do it, and I'm, I'm running in this half marathon. It was last April, and I'm running, and man, mile three, I'm crushing it. Mile seven, I'm crushing it. Uh, and I realized at this point in the race, I'm, my time goal's in hand. Like, I got it. I'm in. I'm going to break my time goal. All my work is paid off. So my mind shifts to, like, celebrating at Buddy's Pizza after and those sort of things. And about mile nine, I realized... There's this 25-year-old guy about 100 yards behind me. He's just kind of cruising there. Mile 10, he's about 80 yards behind me. Mile 11, he's about 60 yards behind me. And I realize he's tailing me. He thinks he's going to beat the old guy. He thinks he's going to come up. This is what he's doing, is he's tracking me the whole race to pass me at the end. He has judged my athletic ability. Now, you don't know me, but that's a no-no. So this guy creeps up. I mean, mile 12, he gets a little closer. So mile 13, we come around the chute, and this is a small race. It's not like, you know, the New York City Marathon or anything, but it felt like it to me. So you have the, the lanes where you finish, and there's people cheering on either side. And this guy starts running by me with about probably 400 meters to go, maybe 300 meters, and just runs by me really fast and nonchalantly goes, good job. <laughs> Uh, I said things I can't say out loud right now uh, to him and um, proceeded to sprint like my life absolutely defended on, depended on it. And there was a wild animal chasing me. My heart rate monitor started flashing on my watch. 
And this is all, I have a picture, and I, should, I couldn't find it in my email, but the, the race director, you know, they take pictures at the finish line. And all it is is me coming across the finish line like this. Ugh. And the guy's right here, and I beat him. Um, and, and it was that moment of, like, I, in the shoot afterwards, he was like, oh, man, oh, great job. And I'm like, yeah, what's your age group? And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm 25. I'm like, yeah, I'm 37. <laughs> I was like, walk away. Because in that moment, like, I was so judged. He had me pegged as the old crippled guy that he could, like, beat at the last quarter mile of the race. And I showed him. And hopefully he'll never do that again. So you can pray for me. Um, but really, today we're talking about this idea of judgment. We're talking about the idea that if we're, tr- if, if we're being honest today, that we've been judged and we judge. It's this weird thing. Like, if I get cut off on 696 you would think that I wouldn't then go cut off the next person on I-75. Like, you would think that would happen, but it doesn't. And the truth is, we've all been judged or judged in different areas. Some of you in this room today, you have been judged because of your gender. You have been judged because of your race. You've been judged because of your age. Maybe where you grew up. Any of those things. And when we get down to it, there's many many areas that we either are judged or judge in. Some of the ones that we can we can judge others in, we can judge others in their gender. We can judge others in their age and in their race. We can do it. It's one of those things, like, you have to understand today, this is not a condemning message because of the idea that all people judge. It's what happens in our brain. We see something, we draw a conclusion from somewhere else in life, and we make a judgment. And the goal today is that we can slow that process down and allow Jesus into it. Because the truth is, it's not the church that judges. It's not Christians that judge. It's we as people. I judge. And so I'm not speaking to you today going, you judge. No, I'm saying we as a people have a problem. We judge. And so we think about it. We go, man, we, like the video, we judge on many things. But then take it a little bit, I don't know, take it a little deeper. Maybe we judge other people's intent and motives. Maybe those closest to us that we interact with day after day. Maybe an employee-employer relationship. Maybe a spouse relationship. Maybe our crazy teenager, that they say something to us, and there could be eight possible outcomes. And of course, we choose to receive the one that brings us the deepest hurt. Because of course that's what they had to have meant. We judge. Motives, intent, actions, words. Why do we judge? Well, it's easy, but it's not. But we judge because it makes us feel better. I judge because it makes me feel better. It allows us to save face. It gives me somewhere else to look other than myself that somebody's doing it wrong. Because the truth is we can control ourselves, but it's so much easier to judge the lady that has 14 items at the 12-item checkout, right? Right? Like, it's so much easier to judge that person texting and driving. (laughs) Maybe it's just me. Um, It's easy, but really it's a cop-out because it makes us justify ourselves or feel better about ourselves. And really, at the end of the day, this judgment thing gets crazy when we even think about the idea we need to speak truth in life. And sometimes we can come across judgmental. So little Zach Morris 1992 timeout for a minute. Please know that truth... There is a such thing as absolute truth. The Bible is true, 100%. And so there are moments in our lives where we have to be able to speak absolute truth in a world that rejects the idea of absolute 
truth. And we need to. We need to speak truth to our kids. We need to speak truth in our relationships with our family members or, or with a spouse, with a boss or a coworker, with a family member. And the tension is that we don't always handle it correctly. This is not something that you pick up on Netflix or pick up on like DIY Google. Like learning how to handle truth and grace at the same time is a skill that few people have. And the issue is like we get into it and we have this content that could be really good. And we ruin it with the delivery. We have content that if applied properly to somebody's life could change their life. And we mess it up with the delivery. And if we don't know how to speak truth in this world with love and grace, then the people around us that need to hear the hope of the gospel, the people around us that need to hear the love and the joy and the peace of Jesus, they might not be able to hear it. Content can get lost in the delivery. And the consequence is this, is that those closest to us, we can be known as judgmental. We can hurt others. We can hurt our ability. The ability that God gave us to have these deep, lasting, intimate relationships. And worse is that people may even attribute this judgment or judgmental nature to our faith. People judge. But when Christians judge, people attribute it to this larger thing of the church. Gandhi said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. So how can we get this right? How can, we, how can we give truth with grace? How can we tell truth without being an idiot or offending somebody or sticking our foot in our mouth? Well, lucky for us, Jesus knew a little bit about this. And Jesus knew that his followers would struggle with this. And so we're going to look in Matthew 7 today for an idea of what Jesus says as he shows us how to live this out. Jesus says a lot about judging in Scripture. But if we really look at it, it may change the way we, we view this idea. And so the first thing that Jesus does is he creates a level playing field in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 1 and 2 say this. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure that you use it, it will be measured to you. That's a scary verse. Because Jesus is essentially saying here, number one, judging is a choice. Number two, if this is the route you want to go with it, just know the level that you judge is the level you will be judged. Because this is crazy when I think of the standards I hold other people to. Because I hold people to standards that are way higher than I hold myself to. And so I think about this idea, whether in lifestyle or relationships, whether in cleanliness or attitude or speech, we all have an expectation in mind of those around us. Now, very rarely do we ever communicate that expectation to them unless they've done something wrong. (laughs) But we have an expectation. We do, in every area of life. Judging is our desire to be better than someone else. Because when people fail to meet our expectations, we think less of them. And it's our ability, it's our moment to act as though we're better than somebody else. We find flaws in other people to prop ourselves up. We rank each other's sins, saying one sin is worse than another sin. When at the end of the day, Jesus just wants us to remember that we're broken, that I'm broken, and that you're broken. And that we are not better than but we are all broken. He illustrates this perfectly with an outrageous example that gives me a reality check. Matthew 7, 3 says this, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye 
when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. So we can think about this really simply like this. This is a speck. Some of you in the back of the room can't see it. That's okay. It's small. And what Jesus is saying here is we look for this in somebody else's eye like this. Hey, you have something in your eye. Hey, over there, you. Hi, Cliff. Welcome back from India. You know, it's like we, we do that. We go, hey, you, you have some. So, no, there's nothing in my eye. I'm good. No, let me see. Yep, I'm good. And it's funny. Like, it's funny up here with it. But Jesus says this. He's reminding us of a few things. He's saying, listen, you all are broken. We are. I am. You all have junk. Yep, I do. And I love the way he says this because he's not saying, don't help your brother. It says here, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a plank in your own eye? He's saying, you have to get this out of the way so that you can help your brother. Because we're called to help, but we're not called to judge. And so we look at that, and that illustration is kind of crazy. And Jesus... You know, whether you think he was the son of God or not, whether you think he was a great prophet or not, you can't deny that he had some great leadership ability. Because he sits here and he says, listen, you hypocrite, take the plank out of your own eye and you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He's saying, listen, let's do this the right way. Because we all judge. So let's take it out of our own eye so we can help the people around us. He's kind of leveling the playing field there. He's saying, instead of sitting there and going, man, I'm going I'm to judge your sexual immorality, he says, why don't you look at your own jealousy? He's saying, instead of looking at somebody else's short temper, why don't you look at your cutting words? Or he's saying, instead of looking at somebody else's lying and deceit, why don't you look at your own pride first? Not to go walk in a corner but to heal with me as I, as I restore you so you can go and help somebody else. We have no problem looking outward, but we struggle to look inward. See, today I want to talk about this idea of grace and truth together. Because grace and truth together can make all the difference in the world. See, grace says you're forgiven. Truth says you're accountable. Grace says you're fine, and truth says you're broken. Grace says, listen, you're going to be okay. Truth says, but you're really going to have to work on it. Grace says, I love you no matter what. And truth says, but please change. Today what we are going to learn and what we're going to talk about is this idea of when grace meets truth, people listen. When grace meets truth, people listen. Because I believe this today. I believe every single one of you in this room, you have a circle of influence that needs you. They need your truth. They need your brokenness, funny enough. They need what Jesus has done in you. And in order for that to translate through a relationship, if you've been in a relationship any amount of time, like more than 30 seconds, you realize that there's this tension between grace and truth. But I want to challenge you today. You have family that will be coming over in a week and a half. Hope you're prepared. Uh, you have work projects that are coming up. You have PTA group stuff. you got Christmas parties at work. you got all this craziness coming up soon in the holidays. Your world needs you. And it doesn't need a watered-down version of you apologizing for truth. It needs you with a balance between grace and truth. Because when grace meets truth, people listen. Well, great idea, Bill. So tell me what to do, because I, I'm in. Well, let, what I want to do today is give you a few practical ideas that are rooted in Scripture on how to live this out. Because this principle is not easy. 
but it's life-changing. When we speak truth, we need a measure of grace to the level of the truth, a.k.a. If I'm talking to you about liking your car and I'm speaking truth, I probably don't need a, lot of, a ton of grace there. Like we're talking about an inanimate object. We're talking about a thing. But when things turn to people in conversation, that's when the grace level has to increase. So what should we do? A few tips today taken out of this scripture. Number one, and, and somebody came up to me last service and said, I've never thought of that before. So number one this morning is this. Don't judge those outside of our faith. Don't judge those outside of our faith, even on social media. Don't judge those outside of our faith. Christians are never called to judge those outside of faith, but we are allowed, not called, but allowed to judge those inside. In other words, the Bible doesn't tell us not to judge. The Bible tells us who to judge and who not to. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 5.12. He says, what business of mine is it to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Think about this. Why would I expect somebody who doesn't follow my Savior or follow my faith structure to live in a way that I deem acceptable? Why should I expect somebody outside of my faith to live within the bounds of my faith? That's not intellectually honest. What those people need that don't know our Savior, that don't know Jesus, that don't know the love and the grace and the hope of Him, is they need to see a Christian in a church that loves them because God loves them. Because He created them. And when they fall in love with the Savior that we fell in love with, then they start to fall in love with his guidelines and plan for their life. But it doesn't happen unless they fall in love with the Savior. And so, this verse is really clear. Christians, don't judge those outside of our faith. It's like this on Halloween. Like, I send my kids out to get candy, and I, they got like a shoebox of candy. I was raiding it all night long after. Um, don't tell them that. Uh, but, like, the idea is we let our kids have two or three pieces of candy on Halloween. You may let your kids have 15. Enjoy the dentist next week. Like, yo, oh, that was judging. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so what I meant was, what you do with your kids is okay. You're not in my house. And Jesus is saying here, listen, uh, you take care of the people inside of the house. I'll take care of the ones outside. And so for you and for me... If we can stay away from judging those outside of our faith structure, from policing other people's behavior that aren't even following the same rules that we are, can you imagine for a minute, just like tomorrow, every Christian in the United States just stop judging those outside of faith? Twitter and Facebook wouldn't even have a business anymore. But if we just stopped, what would those who don't know our Savior think about us? Now, I can't control the whole United States. I can't control the Internet. But... I know that there's enough people in this room that if we make that choice, people will want to know why. I would love at work for somebody to walk up to you in a conversation and go, hey, listen, I don't agree with what you stand for, but I like you. Like that right there is an invitation to a relationship. When grace meets truth, people listen. First thing uh, is that idea that don't judge those outside of our faith. Second thing is this. If we're going to start on the judging path, we need to look at our faults first. We're all broken in some area of our life, right? And so when we address the faults of others, before we address the faults of others, we should always look inward at our own faults first. Now, as a human, that is the most difficult thing to do in the world. 
because it's so easy for me to point my finger at everybody around. Like, it's easy for me to look at my spouse. It's easy for me to look at my kids. It's easy to look at my nine-year-old dash hound. Like, I can point my faults anywhere except for at me. But Jesus is knowing that. Jesus is saying here, listen, when you approach those, that brokenness and those faults with me, that's where we start from. And then once we start to redeem those broken pieces of you, then you're able to actually help others, not fix others, not control others, but help other people. Galatians 6.3 says, If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Christians who take the posture of better than need to understand the answer to this question Jesus asked of why do you judge? We have to look at ourselves first. We love grace, but we have to look at ourselves first. When grace meets truth, people listen. So don't judge those outside of our faith. If you're in a judging mood, look inward first. And the last thing, and this is the one that we can take with us into our world, is this. Is that when, when we're approached with the opportunity to speak truth, once again, don't apologize. Don't water it down. But lead with both grace and truth together. Jesus was full of truth and grace. Think about the story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. Where did he compromise there? He spoke truth. He told, he told the people around, hey, if anybody's sin free, go ahead and cast the first stone. Truth. And then he looked at the woman and he said, woman, go and sin no more. Saying, listen, I know you've sinned. Truth. Go and don't do it again. Here's grace. Let me help you up. So he had a full measure of truth and a full measure of grace. This is so hard to do. So what I want to do, I want to give you a picture of what this could look like. So on the screen, we're, we're going to put uh, these funny little arrows here. We're going to work in quadrants here on the grace and the truth spectrum. And I'll show you how each of these life and, and work in your life. And just know, you're all smart people. This is just kind of common language for you to grab onto of what this looks like. So, so if we sit in the low grace and low truth world, if we're just not going to ha- use truth at all, not going to give grace, that leaves people feeling unloved. Because what happens when you don't have the courage or respect to speak truth, but you also don't have the courage or respect to give grace is they just feel like you don't care about them. So we don't want to live there. We don't want to live in that unloved category. So let's move in the, in the high grace area for a minute. Let's go low truth and high grace. That's enabled. Saying, listen, um, I really like you, so even though you did that the other day, uh, it'll all be okay. No, it doesn't have to be okay. It doesn't. It can be okay that somebody has an issue that we need to deal with. But when you are low on truth and high on grace, you enable others. Some of you have grown up in those homes. Some of you have grown up in those relationships. We don't need to enable. Truth is truth. So let's, let's move down to the, uh, the low grace, high truth area. Low grace, high truth makes people feel judged. When we walk into a relationship and we go, listen, I don't know you. I haven't taken the time to understand your situation. You're not meeting my expectations. Change. Or, I don't know you. I don't know your life up to this point. You just did that. You're wrong. Those are judgment moments. Now, what we may be saying, we may be saying something that's true, but our content is getting lost in our delivery. And so, to have high truth and low grace has the same effect as having low truth and high grace. They both don't make a difference. But when we move to high grace and high truth, 
when we moved into this category, people can feel loved and respected. When you, when you step into a relationship with somebody, you go, listen, you're my Christian brother or sister, because we don't judge those outside of the faith. I've already spent time with Jesus on my life. Uh, a few weeks ago in small group, you mentioned that you wanted to be this kind of person. I'm so thankful that you brought that up. Man, that's awesome. I've noticed in the last week or two that you started to revert back to some behavior that you were trying to get out of. Hey, talk to me about that. How can I help? You just spoke truth, but you just used grace. Think if we did this at home or at work or at school. If we walked into a conversation, listening to understand, have already worked on our own hearts. Think how much of a bridge that truth could walk over in relationship. Truth and grace together. When grace meets truth, people listen. Truth is great. We have a lot of people in this room that know truth. But we need to have a ton of people in this world that have the equal balance of grace and truth. Jesus lived this out with us. He never said, hey, Bill, all those sins that you are caught in, hey, those are no big deal. Because if he did that, then his payment on the cross would mean nothing. But Jesus says, Bill, your sin is so horrible that it separates me from you. And that breaks my heart. And because that breaks my heart, I want to provide a way for you to be in relationship with me. And so even though the truth means that you have distanced yourself from me, I'm going to sacrifice everything, full grace, so that we can be in relationship. Truth and grace. Easy to talk about. Hard to live out. But can you imagine for a minute what what it would look like if we lived in that healthy context? Can you imagine how our homes would look? Can you imagine how Thanksgiving dinner could look? Can you imagine how that work party could look or that conversation with your kid could look? If you listen to understand, if your heart was open because you've already dealt with your own junk, but you were able to unapologetically speak truth. Man, we could, we could change the world. We could at least change our neighborhoods and our families. What we want to do today is we want to take a minute and we want to experience grace because experience defines us. And we thought it might be great to have you experience grace to the fullest measure that you can. And so we're going to receive communion today. Now, communion is remembering the price that Jesus paid for our sins. It's a moment of evaluation and reflection where we we sit there and we go, okay, God, am I judging those outside of my faith? No, okay. God, am I looking inward first? Ooh, I need to work on that. Or I'm not doing, okay, I'm doing that well. Am I leading with grace and truth? Maybe it's sitting there and going, God, who in my life am I judging? Maybe it's sitting there and going, God, where in my life do I need to soften my heart? I don't know. But what I want to invite you to do is, is the band is going to play a song. And it's more of a prayer. It's, sometimes it's hard to find words in moments like this. And it's a great prayer about God searching our hearts. And there's communion stations set up all over the room. And what we're going to have you do during that song is we're just going to have you come and, and grab the elements and go back to your seat and reflect with the elements in hand. Reflect on forgiveness of sins. Reflect on Jesus on the cross for you. And ask God what he wants to do in your life right now. Once that song's over, I'll come back out and we'll receive the elements together and we'll move on. But, but don't miss the idea today that we want to give you some time to reflect because we have to experience grace and truth 
if we're gonna offer it to other people. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word, your uncompromising, never wavering truth. God, I thank you for your clarity. God, I thank you for the fact that you knew we'd struggle with this and so you gave us words. And that in that you've told us that you love us. You've told us that you forgive us. You've told us that you want to give us the strength to do this. God, and you've called us to live a life of influence in our world. God, I pray for for my heart and for everybody in this room today. God, that we can live in the balance of grace and truth the way you would have it. God, that we won't judge those outside of our faith. God, that we'll, we'll look inward first, God, and we'll lead strong with grace and truth. God, I pray for us here today as we evaluate what we're at and reflect, God, that you will meet us there like you always do. In your name we pray. Amen.